the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. They might be coming for Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, it would be a shame if the poor guy got canceled before he got a chance to um, run in a primary, at least run officially. But, you know, videos are popping up that are not only embarrassing, but could cost him votes. And we're talking about black votes, which whoever gets the nomination will be taking for granted, the Democrat nomination. Uh, but they'll also need a lot of them to show up on Election Day to beat Donald Trump. Here's the audio from 2015 that's uh, giving him some trouble today. He's talking about his stop-and-frisk policy. The quality's not great on this, so turn up your radio. 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one and all. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 15 to 25. That's true in New York. It's true in virtually every city in the and that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get killed. So you've got to, if you want to spend the money for a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in the minority neighborhood. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Yes. That's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to get caught. So they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. So Mike said he sent the cops to the black and Hispanic neighborhoods because that's where the crimes were committed. And he said most of the crimes are committed by male minorities between 16 and 25. The numbers may back him up on that, but you can't be saying stuff like that if you're a Democrat. Uh, and he's apologized for it, which is ridiculous, uh, because he did it for years as mayor, and now he thinks he can get away with just an apology. But anyway, maybe he can if you're a Democrat. Uh, but in our second half hour tonight, we'll talk to a black conservative author. She's also a Republican, and she's running for Congress in the 4th District in Pennsylvania. Maybe we'll get around to asking her about Mike. Meanwhile, coming up after the break right now, we're going to talk about whether or not we're all fiscally doomed now that President Trump released his budget proposal. Stick around. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling, not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire infrared grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire infrared burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. 
And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire Demo Program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful. Healthy and shiny and glossy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Fatty acids, omega-3s, and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index. Bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies. Grass, pollen, dust, dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it. And the itching and shedding down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic. Inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, and most people hear a story about uh, the new federal budget. It goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, It's a ridiculous amount of money, and whatever promises are made usually turn out to be meaningless, and maybe that's why the uh, national debt is so out of control. But President Trump came out with his budget on Monday, and it has people on both sides riled up. Romina Bacchia is the uh, director of the Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget at the Heritage Foundation. She joins us now. Romina, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So according to uh, your bio over there at Heritage, uh, you are an economist who speaks English. That's good for people like me. Uh, So in plain English, what, what do you make of the Trump budget proposal? It is an ambitious budget that would put the, uh, our federal budget on a path to balance in 15 years while keeping taxes low. It, it extends the individual tax cuts from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And how does it save money? It returns power to states and localities uh, and on functions that should rest with those jurisdictions in the first place where the federal government has overstepped. So that's really reducing wasteful and unnecessary programs in agencies like the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Transportation, the Department of Education, and the like, all of which are really state and local priorities and not federal government functions. It also would prioritize national defense, making sure that our troops are ready and able to defend our country and serve our allies and uh, making the important investments to continue the buildup of military readiness. And best of all, it manages to uh, find savings in Medicare and Medicaid that are primarily good governance reforms that change some of the underlying payment structures that are wasteful and that have enabled uh, fraud and abuse and improper payments in these programs. So especially when it comes to Medicare, the president is able to keep his promise not to reduce benefits for seniors while at the same time finding meaningful savings by making the program run much better. Okay, so um, I'm going to get I want to ask you about some of the Medicare stuff because that's what that's what scares everybody, the, it's, you know, scaring the old people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the claim is that this will balance the budget in 15 years as you said. Uh, one of the problems with politicians is that uh, they 
the, many of them are out of office by the time the dirty deeds they do uh, come home to roost, or the you know the 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 um, the effects of the bad things that they do uh, show up long after they're out of office, or long after they need to worry about being reelected. So no politician today is going to get a vote for something that happens 15 years from now, much less the blame. So where is the incentive for them to balance it? I mean, it, it, it sounds good what you just said, but where's the incentive for anybody else in Washington to do something that's going to – the benefits of which are going to show up in 15 years when they're going to be probably out of office? Yeah, the only incentive and really the most powerful incentive is demands by their constituents, by the American people, to restrain federal spending because it's a, a most powerful check on the growth in government and it allows us to limit government to preserve freedom and prosperity for the people in the states. And that's really what this is all about. But the American people have been a bit asleep at the wheel. They haven't demanded accountability from their lawmakers. And I think that, uh, for example, a measure like no budget, no pay is long overdue. The, the president did his part. He introduced his budget blueprint for Congress to consider. Democrats that are in charge of the House Budget Committee have already announced they're not even going to bother introducing a budget this year. This is their most fundamental duty as a governing body is to control the purse strings of the federal government and they're going to just not do it because it's hard they don't want to do it and really this is about not showing the american people transparently what the democratic agenda is all about and what it would cost the country and i think we should demand that they do their job introduce a budget or don't get paid senator braun has a proposal no budget no pay that basically says as much who else gets paid without doing their job? Nobody. This shouldn't be the case for Washington lawmakers either. Yeah, and uh, in the House of Representatives, it's kind of a big deal <laughs> uh, yeah. spending money. It's kind of a big deal, kind of kind of uh, one of the major uh, uh, items that they're supposed to deal with when they get there. Yes, right now they're just spending money willy-nilly, basically on autopilot, continuing to increase spending at the end of the year with bills like the massive omnibus or the minibuses we saw before. But they're not passing a budget which would force them to confront the entire fiscal picture, all taxes and spending, and then make sure to review and only authorize those programs the country can both afford and that are truly national priorities, not nice to have things that the states and localities can do on their own or that the private sector can do without government help. One example, paid family and medical leave is all the talk in this town now here in Washington, especially during this election year. Two-thirds of workers have access to paid family leave through their employers. We don't need the federal government crowding out those effective and flexible programs. Rather, the president has done a good deed by cutting taxes and deregulating, which are growing wages for workers that have created a tight labor market such that employers have to offer valuable benefits and good working conditions in order to attract and retain a quality workforce. That's the way how you get the country going and how you get workers paid, not with federal mandates or new federal entitlement programs that we can't afford. Yeah, but uh, I agree with you, but that that's uh, that's uh, everything you just said there is translated into Donald Trump is mean and doesn't want to give people family leave. That that's how that that's how that's portrayed by the Democrats and by uh, obviously 90% of the media. So how do you get around you see, that? The president, because his daughter, Ivanka, has made this one of her big priorities, actually includes money, about $20 billion, to help the states set up paid federal and family medical leave programs. But that's a problem, because the states are going to crowd out the programs in the private sector as well. This idea or this notion that unless you have the federal government provide money for something, you don't believe it's a good thing, that's just complete bogus. Same with the new school choice tax credit that is in the president's budget. School choice is very important. The Heritage Foundation has long supported school choice. We work every day, day in and day out, in our education policy center to realize that for children all across the country. But the federal government has no role in most 
uh, states and localities' education policies, and we don't want them encroaching in that space because in the future it will mean new layers of regulation and it could actually undermine school choice in the long run. Have the federal government focus on national priorities, which in the school choice space means the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program and school choice uh, for military children and children that are uh, on a Bureau of Indian Affairs uh, uh, lands on, on native uh, tribal lands. But beyond that, the federal government has no role in that. And yes, of course, we support paid family medical leave and we support school choice. But that doesn't mean the federal government is in the best position to provide those things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for no Department of Education. Um, you know, the federal government having zero to say about where my kids or grandkids go to school or what, you know, what happens in their schools. That, that, I don't know how popular a notion that would be if, if they would try to do a, if they would do a better job of selling that idea, I think it might fly. You know, I think some people would uh, potentially see the merit in that, but others would consider it a very radical proposal. And this is how government grows. We've really lost sight of federalism in this country and what makes the United States so powerful. We are a nation of more than 325 million people scattered across 50 states with various different priorities and values and belief systems. And this is what makes federalism so powerful because it allows people to choose where to live based on the values that they and their families hold. If we federalize everything at the central government level, we lose that flexibility. We lose those choices. And then we end up with one-size-fits-all programs that don't meet anybody's needs, that cost way too much, and that have contributed to the partisanship and the gridlock we're seeing in our national news every day. Frankly, I'm sick of it. <laughs> you, got, you don't have to tell me. I have been for a long time. The whole one-size-fits-all uh, issue is the big is the big problem you're trying to uh, any why would anybody think that it would be better to have one person in washington deciding for all 50 states instead of having 50 different people deciding what they want in each of their states it's just it's common sense and that's the way the that was the that was the intent of the people who founded the country that's right and it worked reasonably well and it's been only in the last 60 or so years, especially with Lyndon Johnson and his great society, that we've seen this vast uh, encroachment of the federal government in all areas of our lives, not just on spending. That's, of course, the big one, but also when it comes to regulatory matters. And the president makes progress in terms of devolving those responsibilities back to the states. But then in other areas, he also takes steps back by expanding the role of the federal government, say, in transportation policy, where he introduced a trillion-dollar infrastructure package. That spending should happen also at a state and local level. When the government, federal government gets involved, it means it gets more costly. You've got those union pay rates, the Davis-Bacon Act, the uh, America, Buy America requirements, all of which are adding layers and layers of costs that are making America's infrastructure more rigid, less flexible, and and less uh, efficient to build. And same with education and paid family leave. So I commend the uh, president for putting forth a strong budget that has uh, its priorities straight for the most part. And then, of course, there's some problematic areas that I guess since we're in an election year, we couldn't avoid. We're talking to uh, Romina Bokia. She's the director of the Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget at the Heritage Foundation. So, Romina, I'm guessing you've been looking at this stuff for a while, studying this stuff, and you're an expert on this, right? So, Yeah, I've been... Yes. <laughs> go, go ahead. So, uh, well, my question is, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but have you ever, uh, have you ever had a budget before that you liked as much as this one? The proposal, anyway. Well, I liked the president's first budget the most. I thought it was his most ambitious budget as well because it actually balanced in 10 years. This budget doesn't balance until 2035. So, yeah, President Trump's first budget was my favorite. Okay. So, <laughs> got so, worse ever since. <laughs> well, you, you wrote at the, at the Heritage Foundation, I think, that um, this budget takes meaningful steps toward reducing the growth in mandatory spending. So I'm yes. wa- wondering, what are some of the examples of mandatory spending? How did they be? Who says they're mandatory, and how mandatory mm-hmm. are they? 
Yeah, so mandatory does not mean what we understand in the colloquial sense of must-have and can't get around. Mandatory is a budgetary term that means that these programs are not subject to annual appropriations. Congress doesn't have to vote on them each and every year. Rather, their spending is on autopilot. They have so-called permanent appropriations. They're mostly governed by eligibility criteria. Say, for example, when it comes to Medicare, you have to be 65 years of age in order to qualify or for Social Security. You have to have worked a minimum of 10 years to be eligible for any benefit unless we're talking disability insurance. So those are your mandatory programs. But it also includes um, food stamps and a number of other uh, welfare programs that um, have a permanent appropriation. So regardless of what happens with the budget, whether Congress votes on it or not, these programs keep getting funded and their um, increases, their spending increases are also automatic. So So the president tackles the big ones here, you know, Medicare uh and Medicaid. And for Medicaid, he grants more flexibility to the states. And uh, there's also a discussion of a block grant that would be capped such that the states would take on more responsibility for Medicaid, but in exchange also get more flexibility so they can run the programs in the best interest of their own populations. Every state is different there. Florida has more older individuals, for example, than most other states. And then for Medicare, uh, the president manages to find savings that make the program run better, including looking at how we pay hospitals and doctors and aligning um, those benefits and their costs better such that the program runs more efficiently without affecting benefits for seniors, but rather reducing premiums in the long run and uh, assuring a higher quality of care at lower cost. So I think those savings are really powerful, and many of those have actually appeared in President Obama's budget and have also been proposed by leading Democrats on the campaign trail. So the, the, the media narrative we're hearing right now about, oh, the president is cutting Medicare and Social Security, a lot of that is really fake news. Okay, so, but Bernie Sanders is out there saying it, uh, and he's right now the front runner. Yeah. He's probably going to win in New Hampshire tonight. He's out there saying that, uh, that President Trump promised not to cut Social, Secu- Social Security and Medicare, and he's doing it. So when you look at Social Security, the only thing the president does is he proposes reforms to the Social Security Disability Insurance Program, and that is primarily targeting workers with marginal and temporary conditions that should be returning to work, that might need some supports to help them get there, but that shouldn't be on the program permanently, because the Disability Insurance Program is supposed to be reserved for those individuals who are truly unable to support themselves through work. And it's become, unfortunately, over time, more of a long-term unemployment and an early retirement program and has a lot of conditions, including the so-called medical vocational grids that allow people to get onto the program that don't have those substantial and significant disabilities, including if you're 45 or older and you claim not to be fluent in English, even if you live in Puerto Rico or in some parts of California where Spanish is actually the most prominent language, um, you can have easier access to the program. Those are some of the things that the administration is trying to fix. I wouldn't call those Social Security cuts as much as making sure that the disability insurance program is serving its intended purpose and serving those populations uh, that truly need the benefits. I have uh, less than a minute left, and I'm up against a hard break, uh, Romina. One last thing. What about uh, food stamps and uh, the, the, the uh, outcry from the Democrats that, he, that there's going to be a work requirement? You know, the vast majority of the American people actually support work requirements. The idea is that instead of just giving people a handout, we want to give them a hand up and requiring people to engage in work, look for work, or engage in training so they can become uh, they can find work later, I think is a reasonable uh, ask of people who are able-bodied who need these benefits for a temporary period of time. The other thing is that there is still a lot of abuse in the food stamp program because of the way that uh, states have abused the eligibility criteria such that people get food stamps that really shouldn't. So there's some cleaning up that needs to be done here in terms of reducing the abuse section and then also I think the work requirements are very reasonable and the president also... Uh- those for Medicaid. I'm, I'm out of time, Romina. Thank you for speaking English. Thanks for About having economics. Me. Thanks a lot. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. 
The New Hampshire presidential primary is underway and will determine which candidates are stronger or weaker after Iowa's chaotic caucuses last week. The polls are open until 7 p.m. Eastern. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the U.S. economy is healthy, currently with steady growth and unemployment at a half-century low. He says the deadly virus in China is the principal risk to that outlook. The World Health Organization has convened a group of experts to fast-track promising tests, drugs, and vaccines. To help slow the outbreak of the new virus that emerged in China, experts say it could be months or even years before any approved treatments or vaccines are developed. Stocks finishing mixed today. The Dow was down fractionally. The Nasdaq gained 10 points and the S&P 500 up 5. This is SRN News. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Mike Gallagher warns the Democrats of November. They're not going to be laughing uh, the morning after the election. They weren't laughing the morning after the election in 2016. And they're not going to be laughing after the election in 2020. They're having a great time now. American people are paying attention. There is something happening in America, and it's not a happy ending for the Democrats. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Choose E-Verify, the enhanced employment eligibility verification tool that can confidently confirm work eligibility. They've got a new look and the process has never been better. Check it out and get started at eVerify.gov slash go. Elected and appointed officials have a troubling habit, engaging in soundbite promotion. They go on a radio or TV program making wondrous claims of economic progress, yet offer only vague proof to support them. But just because they say something doesn't make it so. That's the case with Allegheny County's economic performance over the last 20 years. Learn the real story at AlleghenyInstitute.org, where dubious government claims have been challenged since 1995. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy & Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help 24 hours a day. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master. This election year, you can vote red or you can vote blue, but yellow is always the right choice. Demand the yellow van when you have water damage and call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. The man, the yellow van, called Service Master. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Lots of tie-ups. That includes the inbound Parkway West. Montour Run Road 60, Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound stacks up Parkway Center Drive to Carnegie. Outbound Parkway Ease delays Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Almost an extra 10 minutes there. Heavy also inbound Edgewood Swissdale to the tunnel. And Blonox still got that closure of Center Avenue between 4th and Freeport Road. That because of the earlier accident involving a truck and a train. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight, becoming partly cloudy with a low 28. 
Increasing cloudiness tomorrow with a bit of rain and sleet late in the afternoon with a high 39. Tomorrow night, more rain with a low 33. Thursday, a few showers of rain or snow, cloudy with a high 38. Friday, sun and clouds with a few flurries and a high 21. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Donald Trump has been called a racist a few million times, uh, not just by people in the media, but by people who are out there running for the Democratic nomination. And the MAGA hat has almost become the new Ku Klux Klan uh, hood. And among the Democrats, it's just become a matter of fact. Donald Trump is a racist, and black people should not vote for him. Well, Kathy Barnett is black, and she's uh, running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 4th District as a Republican. She's also written a book called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. And she joins us now. Kathy, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, thank you for doing it. The the, um, the title of your book is What Donald Trump Tried to Tell Black Voters Back in 2016. Uh, you know, what do you got to lose? Do you think many of those who didn't listen to, it, listen to him back then have uh, come around to agree with him now in the last three and a half years? I, you know what, I know so. Not only from my own personal experience of going into always being in the black community, and specifically over the past three years, I specifically have been going into the black community. Um, but not only, so not only have I witnessed it myself, but also we have uh, the latest three polls I've seen, two of which are rather liberal, have also acknowledged the fact that uh, the black support is roughly is hovering around 30% for President Trump. So whether it's 30% or 15%, that is historic over the last uh, 56 years since, since blacks have been voting almost exclusively Democrat. So, yes, black people see it. We feel it. We're waking up and realizing it. So you're you are buying the uh, the um, the numbers the thirty percent number or somewhere between fifteen no, and thirty. You know what? Some, somewhere somewhere in between. But what I do know is that you know uh, typically in the past Democrats have only Republicans have only been able to get maybe six percent. Donald Trump got eight percent in 2016. So to get 30% in polls, and you know, I'm, I'm sure I feel the same way as you feel about polls, right? But people tend to look at them, and right now it's hovering 30. Whether it is 10, 15, or 30, it is, it, I think it's reflective of what this president has been doing over the past uh, three and a half years. And like I tell the black community, whether, you know, this man, this president has come into office and within three years, he has done every single thing. He has touched on every single issue. The black community has been coming to both parties for the past 56 years, complaining about, wanting someone to pay attention to. Whether we're talking about prison reform, he has the First Step Act. Last year, he started with the Second Step Act. Whether it's the Opportunity Zones, over 9,000 areas have seen a flow of capital rushing into these particular uh, distressed communities. Whether we're talking about the historically black colleges and universities, I remember when uh, these particular presidents went to Obama asking him, begging him to forgive these crushing debts um, within these historically black universities and colleges, and Obama did nothing. President Trump did it. Black folks are not stupid. They are waking up. They see it. They may not like it. It may be a hard pill to swallow, but they are recognizing it. Now, is it possible for, and here, I'm an old white guy, so, you know, it's hard, I don't like to ask a black person to speak for every black person on the planet, which white people tend to do too often, but um, is it possible for a black person to think that, to to accept the fact that Donald Trump has done good things for black people in America, but that, he, that, that he's also might be a racist. You know what? I mean, he, this is my position, and this is what I have told not only the black community, but when I'm talking to white liberals, is uh, I have never tried to convince someone to like President Trump. You don't like him? Uh, okay, fine. Perfect. I don't care. I don't care if you like him or not. 
the only thing I've ever tried to convince people is to know when someone is working in their favor and then to have the good sense to get out of the way so that they can continue to work in your favor. And so whether he, whether you think he's a racist or not, you cannot deny the fact that black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, uh, is at the lowest levels it has ever been historically. For women unemployment, it is, it is low, 72, 62 year low. Even the, even the spread of unemployment between white people who are unemployed and black people who are unemployed have decreased for the first time in history. That spread is decreasing. So whether you like it or not, or even when we look at those who are living at the lower income spectrum, their wages are growing at a faster clip than those at the top. Their wages have increased over 47%. Uh, last year, um, in the month of January, we thought we were only going to get 160,000 jobs, ended up getting over 250,000 jobs. So whether you like him, whether you think he's a racist, I don't care. The only thing we need to really pay attention to is how is the policy this man is doing is positively impacting me and my family at my kitchen table. Yeah, well, that makes a lot, way too much sense, Kathleen. So, I mean, Kathy, way so... Too much. <laughs> you know, you're making way too much sense there. But uh, you know that the Democrats uh, are now... Cl- when when Donald Trump tries to... to take some credit for what's happening with the economy and how it's helping black people um the democrats are are quick especially uh, i think uh black democrats are quick to say oh no this uh this guy's trying to to claim uh what donald uh, what uh, barack obama did for us it was barack obama who started the uh economic uh revitalization and (laughs) yeah yeah or you're not buying that either I'm not buying that, and, um, you know, it, it, it's just foolishness. Listen, the only thing that matters is that we are all doing well. Right. And when we even look at the number of uh, regulations that he has cut and the impact, in my book I talk about this one particular lady, Ida, who was arrested in her shop because she braids hair, and uh, because, because of all the regulations, they wanted her to spend over $7,000 and getting some kind of class in order to be able to braid hair. Now, braiding hair in the black community is like a rite of passage, right? That women go to and do all these particular things. And they wanted this woman who simply braids hair to pay over $7,000 to get some kind of license. Donald Trump, he actually did a speech from the White House saying, listen, you know, I have have tremendous respect for people who are in the cosmetology business. However, there should not be more regulation for someone to braid hair than it is for someone to work um, on an ambulance. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive. But Donald Trump comes in, he cuts these regulations, he encourages states to start cutting regulations, and now, I mean, and, and, and specifically in that particular arena, cosmetology, we see a tremendous number of jobs that people have. So again, it doesn't matter all of the rhetoric. The only thing Democrats have for the black community and for the greater American community, the larger American community, is racism. If it's not racism, it's resistance. And none of those things move me out of one financial condition and into a better financial situation. None of those things put food on my table. They don't pay any bills. All they do is scratch an irrational, emotional itch. That's all it does. It does not help us. White liberals specifically love to come and try to tell me, a black woman, what it means to be black. They're so arrogant. They try to tell me what it means to be black. They try to tell me what racism looks like and how I should feel about it because they're so arrogant and they know everything. They look at me with these little false narratives of of white privilege which essentially says, Kathy, you have to look at your black skin and believe that your black skin has betrayed you in some way. That my white skin gives me all of these extra privileges and your black skin has betrayed you. And what that does in the larger community is causes us to continuously be victimized. Yep. And that is what white liberals have done. They have lowered the bar of expectation because if I see myself as a victim and, and all the odds are against me, why do I need to work hard? The odds are against me. Why do I have to struggle? The odds are against me. Why do I have to be disciplined? Because the odds are against me, so why even try? 
And I am, I mean, I come, I'm a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in southern Alabama, very impoverished. I was beneath the bottom rung of life. My grandmother would ask me to help her in the garden. I thought she just wanted me to spend quality time with her. I had no idea it was for our survival. But if we wanted beans, greens, or peas, we had to go out and work it with our own two hands. And I've, and I've been able, by the grace of God, to recognize what my grandparents did all around me, to work hard, to discipline themselves, to focus on what was important. And from that little farm, I became the first in my family to go to college and graduate. I spent over 10 years in the military, U.S. Army Reserves. I worked in the Wall Street environment, corporate America. I'm an adjunct professor of corporate finance. I've just written my first book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, and now I'm running for Congress. I represent all that is good about this country if you are willing to work and dedicate yourself to something. Wow, that was a great little rant you just went on there, Kathy. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> Kathy Barnett, and again, the, name, the, the title of the book is... Um, is um, nothing to lose, lose. everything to gain. Everything to gain, yeah. Uh, Nothing to lose, everything to gain, being black and conservative in America. Now, you also, you said you're running for Congress in the 4th District here in Pennsylvania. Um, What's what's been the reaction to, and you're running as a Republican, I'm assuming, so what's been the reaction? I am. I am the first uh, black person to ever receive the endorsement by the Republican Party in Montgomery County, which is the 4th District, uh, 4th Congressional District, and I received it overwhelmingly, enthusiastically, Um, and I have received a tremendous amount of support. Um, But we are sick and tired of uh, what, what the the Democrat Party is doing to our country, then I need people to go to kathybarnettforcongress.com and to support us, uh, it's going to take a tremendous amount of revenue to be able to do the things that we need to do. And I would love for people to see the story, to see the opportunity, to be able to actually take back some territory. It was the House that impeached our president, and all I want to do is retire as many Democrats as possible. Wow. Now, um, what's the history there in Montgomery County uh, for Republicans? Uh, well, you know, what, at one point in time, like so much of our country, we used to be uh, primarily uh, Republican. Uh, yeah. But the thing with re- but the thing with Democrats, they never give up. I don't care how kooky or looney tune their policies may be, they just keep pushing, and they've done so. And now they it's like a forty-seven thirty-seven split. But that's kind of representative of the entire nation um, that there are more registered Democrats than Republicans. But this is a very winnable seat. Uh, Madeline Dean, her nickname is Mad, Mad Madeline Dean, uh, who co-sponsored one of the most ridiculous um, uh, immigration reform bills. If you, I mean, this immigration reform bill that they passed, or not passed, but that they, uh, that she has endorsed and about 45 other uh, liberal Democrats. The the new way forward. The new way for doesn't that sound so nice and polite? Oh yeah, we talked about it here a couple of days ago. It's 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 insane. Every time I read one section, I think it's crazy until I go to the next section, and it's even crazier than the section I just uh, finished reading. It actually redefines what it means to be an American. That's how crazy and looney tune all of these things are. I mean, we have. I mean, we are at one of those uh, crescendo moments in time. We experienced it as, as, a, as a nation when our forefathers were fighting for their liberties in the American Revolution. We experienced that crescendo of a moment during the Civil War, during the Civil Rights Movement, and I believe we are at that moment again. We, No one can sit out, no one, no conservative, no Republican, no one who loves this country, Whether even if you're a Democrat, but you've got enough sense to realize that redefining what it means to be an American is perhaps not the best way to go here. We need, we need those particular people to see and to acknowledge when good people throw their hats in the ring and to come alongside them. And again, they can go to, your listeners can go to Kathy Barnett for congress.com and support us financially. We're revamping the website where we have a list of things you can do um, to volunteer for as well. Well, uh, Kathy, um, uh, just from talking to you here today, anybody who doesn't vote for you down there is an idiot. 
I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I bet you do. And I, and um, again, the, the title of the book is um, "Every Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain: Being Black and Conservative in America." I got about thirty seconds left, and just real quick, what's been the reaction of your friends and family, black black friends and and your family? Listen, you cannot be black, conservative, and outwardly support this president and have thin skin. You got to thicken up your skin real quick because <laughs> I was born. I was born into the into the Democrat Party just like I was born into brown skin. In the brown community, there's no separation for the overwhelming majority of them, so it's difficult. But I am seeing change. I am seeing people come off the Democrat plantation. I'm seeing eyes be become open. Well, you know what it's called? Guts. And you got a lot of them. I yes. really appreciate you yes. being on, Kathy, and good luck. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's right. Uh, ba- Kathy Barnett, she's running for Congress in the 4th District. I hope she wins by a landslide. And we will be right back. Stick around. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRSPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for Roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. I'm Andy Solomon. T-Mobile has launched the country's first and only nationwide 5G network covering more than 5,000 cities and towns all across the country. Here's Senior Vice President of Network Engineering and Development, Mark McDermott. This launch immediately catapults T-Mobile into position as the country's biggest 5G network, covering more than 1 million square miles beyond the big cities to the small towns, and that's just the start. And now available are two new 5G super phones that can access nationwide 5G. The exclusive OnePlus 7T Pro 5G McLaren and the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G. And we'll be able to supercharge the 5G network with more speed and capacity if the pending merger with Sprint closes. This holiday season, get a great deal on a 5G phone at T-Mobile. For more information, visit tmobile.com. You might wonder why Australians always seem so relaxed. Well, it comes down to sleep, and we can sleep like a koala full of gum leaves. So we've invented a solution to your sleep problems. It's called Pronto Sleep. Pronto Sleep is a two-in-one solution that helps you fall asleep and stay asleep. Pronto gently opens your nose to focus breathing so you can relax and fall into the land of Nod. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils all night long for a beaut sleep naturally. Then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Clever, eh? And does it work? Well, in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep. 74% found it helped them stay asleep. 
You'll find Pronto now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep is the gift of sleep from Australia. From RhinoMed, bringing you advanced nasal therapies. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, it's been a while, I think, uh, since we've done some uh, transgender insanity. So um, I got this thing here from the University of Minnesota Duluth Sexuality and Gender Equity Initiatives. This is uh, this is official from the from the school. So if you if you if uh, you ever uh, are tempted to send your kid to the University of Minnesota Duluth, I don't know why you would do that, but here in Pittsburgh. But anyway, uh, this is they, they had to put out. I guess this is some kind of an official um, um, proclamation about pronouns. What is a personal pronoun? A personal pronoun is the pronoun a person or nouns that a person uses for uh, him themself, <laughs> themselves, not him or herself, themselves, and how others should refer to that individual. Why should we normalize asking and using personal pronouns? Pronouns are necessary for communicating with and about each other. Building more opportunity. This is about pronouns now. This is stuff that for five thousand years or whatever it is, you know, we just use them and didn't think about them. Pronouns are necessary for communicating with and about each other. Building more opportunities to share our own pronouns and asking others for their pronouns creates more inclusive and affirming spaces for everyone. If there's anything I want, it's an affirming space, whatever that is. Especially queer and trans plus gender non-conforming individuals. How do I get used to using personal pronouns? This is something that's being asked of a human being. Like, I'm kind of used to using personal pronouns. I... I uh, practice is the word here in, in capital letters. Mispronouncing someone, mispronouncing someone is a microaggression, and the best way to avoid causing unintended harm to a student, friend, or colleague is to commit yourself to getting it right. Check out this how-to guide to get started. I wish I could show you this that I'm looking at on my phone. It's a how-to guide with about 8,000 pronouns on it that you're supposed to use. And how do I appropriately introduce my pronouns to others? Do specifically Specifically say which sets of pronouns you use. Example, she, her, hers, they, them, their. Uh, do include pronouns on business cards, email signatures, name tags. Promote this to your peers. Do not refer to your pronouns as gender pronouns. Oh, my. This I could go on. It's insanity, and it's happening on a college campus put out by the college. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.